All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Bleach Period. I'm your host, Jalen Ross. And today we're going to dive into a little bit of uh, portal talk. Uh, who's coming, who's going. We're going to dive into a little bit of facilities talk in the end because I wanted to get to that last week, but it actually completely slipped my mind. So uh, we're going to go ahead and get into a little bit of that towards the end of the episode. And then um want to discuss a little bit about Florida State. And we're not going to really do a Florida State preview because the game is – you know, miles away from today, obviously, but uh, just kind of discussing a little bit of the nitty and gritty about, well, yeah, the nitty and gritty about Florida State. I almost said Kansas State, but um, so the Sooners find out who they're going to play um, the Cheese it Bowl. And, you know, it's an interesting case because I know there are a ton of people out there that are like me and like, I'm not wasting my time to go out there to watch this game and all that, you know. Because OU's the underdog in this game, and they've got to fly to the beautiful city of Orlando, Florida, which is complete sarcasm, by the way. But they've got to go to Orlando, uh, six and six versus nine and three. Florida State has been playing really good football for the last few weeks. They're they're riding in on a five game win streak. Jordan Travis has been uh, played pretty well this year. He started off the season a little iffy, but towards the back half, he's played really well. Um, you know, I don't know how many of you watched that game against Florida, but he had a tremendous play, two tremendous plays, actually, in the first half of that game. And uh, one of them, I mean, he just broke every tackle on that defense and scored. So um, really freaking good quarterback this team is going to have to play. And you know this OU defense is really good at making nobodies look good. So let's just all sit back and pray for what Jordan Travis is about to do to this defense. Um you know, and, and nice confidence for me, of course. But uh, Florida State coming in, they have an offense that's averaging about 500, 475 yards of offense, not 500. That would be insane. Uh, but they have the number 13 total offense in the country, and they've got a really nice running game. I mean, you add Jordan Travis, who's ran for nearly 400 yards on the season, and then Trey Benson, he's run for 960. So really nice backfield. Um, and then they've got a receiver in Johnny Wilson who – is just about the tallest thing in the world. So you're lucky you have all this time to prepare for the game. And the boys haven't started practice yet. I mean, I don't think they practice until next week or maybe the week after. But I know they've they've gotten a little bit of off time right now. So, But at the same time, you know the coaches are game planning. Uh, as Brent mentioned, they've been game planning. Like the assistants and stuff have been game planning for whatever opponent they found out they were going to play. And it turns out to be Florida State. Uh, I, I honestly was surprised because I thought that it was going to be Arkansas or Maryland, but the script flipped and they're going to Orlando to play the cheese, cheese it bowl. So uh, December 29th, 4.30 p.m. Central, a.k.a. the Lord's time zone, and we'll see what happens there. We're going to do a preview on that probably the week, the Wednesday, the week before the game because the, the game is on a Wednesday. So we'll do it exactly a week before the game. And, uh, you know, the plan this offseason really is to record these shows on or really get these shows out on Wednesdays. I don't know if like recording on the same day and getting it out, but uh, we're going to try our best. I know the schedule has been flip flopped a little bit throughout the season. I mean, last week we had an episode drop on Friday and Saturday, and uh, I'm recording this on Thursday night. So, um, you know, all over the place to start, but we'll get more organized as weeks go on. Um, so. Let's just go ahead and dive into some transfer portal talk. So the big news from early today, uh, South Carolina tight end Austin Stogner is returning to Oklahoma uh, after a less productive season in Columbia, but 
you know, somebody actually asked me really before I even, I, I was just out and about when I got back home. And when I was out, somebody asked me, you know, what, why did Stogner even leave? Why did he leave South Carolina? And it's an interesting question um, because I'll say this. I've been hearing that Austin would be coming back to Oklahoma literally like 15 minutes after he announced he was entering the portal on Monday. Uh, I had gotten in text and said he's coming back for sure. And I've been talking to people the last few days that were like, yeah, you know, I've talked to some former teammates of Austin and they said, yeah, it's happening. And trying to get a timeline was tough, but he ends up popping today. I had the post ready in the drafts on Monday, assuming he was going to announce at that time, but comes out three days later that he's coming back to Oklahoma. Um, you know, if you ask me why I think it really is because one, he's going to start right away. I mean, they have a, a tight end room. That's very thin. Uh, you're losing Braden Willis and Daniel Parker. You've got young guys in Caden Helms, Jason Llewellyn, and then you're bringing in Cade McIntyre. So you're going to need some experience up there. And, um, you know, I don't know if Caden Helms is lighting the world on fire in practice or anything like that, but you're going to need some experience there. And why not bring Austin Stockner back? I mean, the kid catches everything. He's a big body guy, you know, and he's he's a big target for Dylan Gabriel, fig, figuratively, figuratively and literally, because I know a big conversation has been like Dylan Gabriel can't even see his receivers because he's so small. But you've got Austin Stockner back there or in there. You ain't really got to worry about that. He's big enough to go up and make a play. Just let him up. Let him go up top where the kids can't get it and he'll get it. Um, so, you know, I think we've all been big fans of Stardner. I know I have been, um, he, he wasn't really the same player after his injury. I mean, goodness, like if most of you don't even remember his injury was really serious. I mean, he had an injury that was actually life threatening and it's crazy because, you know, when it happened in real time, it didn't seem that bad because he literally got hit in the thigh and, you know, he got off the field real quick and went on about his day. But I mean, the kid almost died. Like he had a really crazy injury and for him to be back playing football, you know, it's taken him a minute to get back to a high level. But even last year, he didn't have a bad year, you know, until when he was at Oklahoma for the, the last time. But um, getting him back is huge because he's going to start. And, um, you know, Joe John Finley's still on the staff. So I, I think that relationship is probably still pretty solid as to why he's returning. Um, I don't know if he has a relationship with any other coaches on the staff. Well, any other position coaches on the staff, you know, maybe from his recruitment or something like that. Not completely sure. I mean, him going to Carolina made sense because Spencer Rattler was there and Shane Beamer, obviously, who would want to play for Shane Beamer. So, um, yeah, so Stog is back in the fold. I've uh, been waiting on that for a minute. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you know, I like to post that little boomer video. Uh, and usually when I post that, that means good things are happening. And that was why I posted it because of Austin Stogner. So thank you, Stog. Welcome back to the city. Um, but as far as needs in the portal, so you've kind of covered tight end because I think you might need really you only need one. I don't know if you really need to get another one uh, like from the portal. But your needs from the portal, I think most of them lie on defense because defensive line, you're going to need all of them. You're going to need all of them. Uh, because you're losing great, or you're not losing Grayson Hawkins. You're losing Josh Ellison. You're losing Clayton Smith. You're losing Kevonta Henry. And, you know, not much production from those guys, but it's depth. Um, Jeffrey Johnson, J uh, Jalen Redmond, obviously going to the draft. Uh, Kelvin Williams, a, a young guy who's gotten some experience here and there. Um, and Grayson Halton, who I was about to mention, he's still a young guy, but he's gotten some, he's put some stuff on tape this year. Jordan Kelly. Jordan Kelly really can have a big year if he comes back next year. He started to come along towards the end of the year. I think him and Todd Bates are really locked in. So Jordan Kelly could come back next year and make some and make some money. 
Uh, Jacob Lacey, the transfer from Notre Dame, he's the first commit from the transfer portal committed on Thanksgiving Day. So they've offered some pretty solid defensive linemen, too. I mean, you talk about um, the kid from Western Michigan, uh, Braden, Braden Fiske is, I think, his name. And he weighs, I think he's like 6'5", 300 pounds. He's played a ton of football. Uh, you know, a few, I mean, Austin Booker, the Minnesota kid, an edge rusher. Uh, Trace Ford's in the portal. I don't know if Oklahoma is really recruiting him, but he's in the transfer portal and he's there for the taking. Uh, I actually, no, that is wrong. They are. I don't know if he's been offered, but I know that they've been in contact with Trace Ford. Um, you know, you talk about, and we already mentioned Jacob Lacey, uh, Kevin Swint, actually, a Clemson guy. And I'm going to get into some of the Clemson stuff a little bit later. Uh, and then, you know, Texas A&M kid. I can never, I never figured out how to say his name, but we're going to go. Tudmiz Adelaide. I probably said butchered that name all up and down the street. But if you know who I'm talking about, then you know who I'm talking about. Um, but Dallas Walker, Texas A&M kid. I mean, they're they're going after they're, – they're kicking the tires on a lot of guys in the portal on the defensive line. So definitely going to be interesting to watch because it's a big, it's a big position of need. Uh, but another guy – I mean, I'm sorry. Another unit you're going to have to look at on your defensive side, linebackers, I think – because I think when it comes to linebackers, you're going to have to take probably two, one or two. Because here's the thing. You need experience there. And Danny Sussman is going to be a junior next year, so you got it. But at that point, he's the oldest guy in the room. He's played the most football out of anybody in that room, if I'm not forgetting anybody. That's assuming David Aguebu doesn't come back, which I'm betting on the fact that he's not. But we'll see. Uh, but assuming David Aguebu is not returning to Oklahoma next year. Danny Stutzman's the oldest guy in the room, and, and you're going to need experience. You're going to need speed. You're going to need talent, obviously, and that's not saying the whole room just sucks, but you're going to need better football players. Like I'm not saying you need somebody to come in and take Danny Stutzman's job because I do think Stutzman's going to start next year. But, again, it's, it's December, so we'll see what happens. But if Oklahoma is doing what I've been hearing a lot of with some of the kids they're going after linebacker-wise – there's a shot the kid could lose his job if he's not picking it up. I mean, I say it on the pod every week. He's got to get his head out of his tail, um, you know, off the field and stuff like that. And we'll see what happens there. Uh, there's been a lot of smoke around linebackers as far as uh, Vontae Bentley, a Clemson kid, who, by the way, there's a lot of talk about, you know, actually, I'll just say I'll just cover this right now. So and before I get into the this next player. Brent Venables really is kind of is kind of kicking aside that little nice guy stuff, and I fully expect him to attack some kids from Clemson. I'm not saying he's going to tamper with people. I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but some of the Clemson guys that have entered the portal, I'm 99% sure he's he's going after. Uh, you talk about like I mentioned, Kevin Swint. He's a guy that was recruited by uh, Todd Bates, if I'm not mistaken. That was his primary guy. Uh, you know, Fred Davis, a cornerback from Clemson, heard a lot about that one. And that's that's a good shot for Oklahoma to bring him in. Um, you know, this is a non-Clemson kid, but this is a kid that they recruited heavily out of high school. Justin Flo, if you all remember Justin Flo, he's the one that went viral every freaking week because of he was suplexing people on the high school football field, has had injury problems and things like that since he's been at Oregon. Um, there's a lot of smoke around him in Oklahoma. And I think really it comes down to Miami and Oklahoma for his, his recruiting, for his uh, recruitment. And I know he's rumored to be visiting, so we'll see what happens with that whole situation. But he's a kid that Clemson recruited heavily out of high school, so 
you know, Brent Venables see something there. Um, but back to my discussion about the Clemson thing, I think Brent Venables is willing to do it now because, you know, I know he and uh, the man with the plant that turned seed have had a passionate conversation about, look, you know, we can't have this anymore. We're not, we're not winning. We're not going six and six again. We're not going nine and three. We're not settling for any of that. We're settling to be the best team in college football. And you get there by taking full swings. You can't just play this nice guy role and say, no, it's Dabo's kid. I can't do it. No, you got to go in. You got to attack and you got to say, look, this is all business. Like, I love you, Dabo. You've, you've been, you mean the world to me, but I got to win football games too, or they're going to run me out of town. So I don't care about, you know, all that other stuff. Like I get, this is about my job. This ain't about loyalty. It's about my future, what I'm getting paid to do so I can put food on the table for my family. So, um, it's going to be interesting to see that. Like, I think if Oklahoma was to tamper with some people at Clemson, like I think the first call you're making is to Barrett Carter and Barrett Carter is a former five-star linebacker. Uh, if any of you watched the ACC championship last week, he had a pretty big play. I think he had a pick six. I'm probably wrong on that, but I remember hearing his name a ton when watching that game. Uh, but Barrett Carter, big time player. And he's he 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 weighs kind of around, he measures in kind of around that typical BV linebacker. And that's a kid that could come in and take somebody like Danny, Danny Stutzman's job or, you know, maybe a Jaron Canick or somebody. But he'd be starting on this team if he came to Oklahoma. Now, again, I'm not reporting anything. I'm not saying he is. I'm just saying, like, if Oklahoma was to say, look, we got to stop being so nice and we're going to go into it full swing. I don't care if this kid's not in the portal. We're going to go call him and say, look, come on over. That's one of the first calls I'm making. You want to you wanna attempt to to get Trenton Trent Simpson? I mean, Trenton Simpson is going to be a day one pick. But if you're like, hey, man, we got these NIL. We got all this money out here. Come on out here. Let's build something special. And you get him to come back for his senior year and come to Oklahoma. Like, hey, that's a big swing right there. Again, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I highly, highly unlikely that that's going to happen. But, like, I think they're getting to the point where they're waking up and they're saying, look, we got to make some big swings. We we don't have time to to just sit back on our tail and 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 really play around with it. We got to go at it. We got to go at it full strength, full full strength. So we'll see what happens there. But um, you know, I think for honestly for me, I have a feeling really on the defensive side of the ball that Oklahoma is going to do a lot. They're going to make a lot of changes. Um, and you know, I mean, you're losing on the offensive side of the ball. You're losing Eric Gray. You're losing. Anton Harrison, you're losing Wanya Morris, who, by the way, they're not playing in the bowl game, which I didn't mention. Um, you know, even on the offensive side, or I already said offensive side, but even at the receiver position, like you're getting ready to lose. Well, you already lost Theo Weiss. I don't think you're losing Marvin Mims. I've already covered that topic on the pod. And for those of you who haven't listened in the past, I've said I don't think Marvin Mims is leaving. Um, but I know this week he's been kind of waiting on a draft grade and things like that. So we'll see where that happens. But again, I think he's staying. So we'll see what happens there. But Oklahoma's made some really nice offers at receiver. Uh, Dante Cephas, a kid from Kent State, Kent State, had 1,900 yards on the season, or 1,900 yards in his career at Kent State, uh, 12 touchdowns in his career there, two years of eligibility left. Dorian Singer, a kid from Arizona, 1,100 yards in his career, six touchdowns. Or actually, I don't even know if this might be this season. I think he had 1,100 yards this season. I didn't, I didn't really look that up well enough. But uh, they've also made offers to Trey Harris from Louisiana Tech and Ra Ra Thomas out of Mississippi State. So what you see them doing is going after guys that have produced. They're going after guys that have uh, 
put some things on put some things on tape and um you know guys that can come in and contribute right away because i think even if you land like another name i didn't mention but a guy that's in the portal dominic lovett uh receiver from mizzou he had 800 something yards on the season by far missouri's best player but you know i think the thing with lovett is and i don't know if ou's offered him that maybe they have and he just hasn't because a lot of these transfers don't really post their offers like they would out of high school uh, and Lovett is a guy that I'm pretty sure is has a lot of people trying to get at him because, like I said, he's a really freaking good football player. So um, wouldn't be any shock with that. But Lovett is a kid, Mizzou kid. And, I mean, you talk about LaDamian Washington. By the way, just real quick on the on the, on LaDamian Washington. So if you guys didn't see the news, Rashad Samples is not coming to Oklahoma. He's taking a job at Arizona State. And uh, Oklahoma obviously is still searching for a wide ride receivers coach. Now, my guy, Eddie Radosevich, brought up a great point yesterday. What if we're all just talking out our cheeks about receiver coach and LaDamian Washington gets the full-time job? Listen, I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't even be mad if that happened because, one, it obviously feels like he already is the full-time guy, obviously because he's an interim guy. But, you know, I did have somebody tell me, like, LD's awesome, but I think he's not. Like, I think keeping Kel Gundy around would have helped because he understands the offense better. And I'm not saying Kel should have stayed around. But I'm just saying, like, LaDamian still got to kind of understand the offense a little bit better or a little bit more technical. Obviously, he understands it, but kind of more down in the dirt of the offense. But I think, like, from a recruiting standpoint, I think he'd be fine. I mean, he doesn't have all the, the jerseys on the wall and all that yet. But I mean, he's well liked by the players. I've I've seen the guy coach before, so I can. T- he he's a guy that expects perfection. He expects you to do it right. He he likes you know crisp routes got to be ran, all this other stuff. Because even like you know, if any of you teenagers listening to this, people my age, if you went to the Brent Venables camp this summer and you worked out with wide receivers, remember Kel Gundy coached one session, Ladamian Washington did the other, and Kel just watched. Kel just kind of sat back and watched. You know, got his targets together, and LD took care of the rest. He took care of the football. So he was involved. He as an assistant. He was pretty involved. He's been involved in recruiting as an assistant, and now he still is. You know, he's kept Jaquazy Petaway in the boat, kept Anthony Evans in the boat for a little while, but Georgia's always been around. And, I mean, look, I'm going to be honest with you. What, what Kirby Smart is doing at Georgia right now, I understand, Anthony Evans. If they're telling you, hey, you're going to come in and contribute for us right away, you can't pass on that. Georgia's just playing incredible right now. They're walking to another national championship this season. And now, again, my heart wants with Michigan to win it. Shout out to my man, TJ, big Michigan fan. But Georgia's going to win it. So Kirby Smart's building something special down there, and I completely get it. But anyway, sidetrack. This is an Oklahoma podcast, not a Georgia Bulldogs podcast. Um, you know, he kept him in the boat for a little bit. Um Obviously made some pretty good offers at receiver. I think he would have a relationship with Lovett being Mizzou guys. If you don't know, LaDamian Washington played at Mizzou. But I think the thing with Washington is, again, he just hasn't coached at many places. I mean, this is a guy who played football literally two, three years ago. It's, it hasn't been that long since he's last worn a uniform. So I get it from that standpoint, but I think he could do it. Now, I'm not in any shape, shape or form of my reporting that he is getting the job full-time. I'm just saying if maybe that's the direction they want to go because – you got to remember that Brent comes from Clemson and the Clemson way of doing things is developing play coaches from within. They like to bring you up. They did it with Tony Elliott. They did it with their current offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator. 
they're all guys that started off as position coaches and things like that and worked their way up to being coordinators. So I don't know if maybe Brent follows that model and he's like, look, you know, LD, you've, you've done well. I trust you in recruiting. I trust you in this. I trust you in that. And even if LaDamian Washington isn't a home run hitter at recruiter at, as a recruiter, he's got people that can help him. I mean, Brent Venables can come in. Matt Wells is still on staff. He's been helping receivers a lot. Uh, you know, you've got Nick Basquins in the room, former OU receiver, who's also been helping out receivers. And then you even got other coaches. I mean, think about Anthony Evans as well. Like Jay Valai was really the closer in that situation, you know, and that's not even his position. But these coaches are on everybody. So it's not just like you would really only have to worry about that. So, you know, I think that's just my case for him. And like you can talk about the drop passes this year, but, and I know this year has been a year where we blame the coaches for everything. But here's the thing there comes a point in time where sometimes it's the player's fault. Like every receiver drops a pass. Like Marvin Mims with the drops he had, I don't think anybody in their right mind thought, oh, he's not good anymore. No, I mean, you drop passes sometimes. I don't think LaDamian Washington is coaching these guys on not to catch the football. And I know he's not because even at the camp when they were kids dropping footballs, he got onto them. So surely with the guys that are going out there on Fridays or Fridays, Saturdays, he's teaching them how to catch the football. When you drop a pass, it's usually a combination of either your hands weren't in the right spot you tracked the ball terribly or your eyes weren't looking or you, I mean, your eyes weren't up or you just dropped it. Like there's really no, no ifs, ands or buts about it. So again, I'm not reporting anything. I don't really think that's the case. I'm just saying it would not shock me one bit if they came out and said, Hey, the Damian Washington's going to do this full time. And even if he doesn't, I'm pretty sure he's going to still be on staff. Cause like I said, he has a good relationship with some of the recruits out there. I mean, even Anthony Evans glowed about him even way back when, when Kel Gundy was still here. And he came on visits and stuff. He would talk about how great LaDamian was. So, yeah, I mean, that's going to be an interesting thing to watch. And we'll continue to keep digging on that. But um, a little bit more stuff on the transfer end. Uh, one of the guys that I'm really excited about, I think Oklahoma's going to end up with. And uh, <sighs> this guy's played some nice football this year. Uh, Indiana transfer to Shane McCullough. I think that's how you say his first name. It's Shane, Sean. I don't know. It's one of those two. But uh, Deshane McCullough, uh, linebacker from Indiana, comes in at 6'5", 225 pounds, 50 tackles on the year, seven tackles for loss, four sacks. Had a really good freshman year. Was a freshman All-American for the Hoosiers and would be coming in with three years eligibility left, plus I think a redshirt year as well. So he's got, he's got a lot of football left. And he's a guy that was recruited by Brent Venables out of Clemson to – be, kind of be that next Isaiah Simmons. In my honest opinion, I think he would fit the cheetah role better than Deshaun White did. And that's not saying Deshaun, Deshaun White played well. Like Deshaun White had a really nice year at the cheetah spot, but that's not really his spot because with the cheetah, you're like the do it all guy. You're the guy that can play safety, linebacker, come off the edge, things like that. Deshaun White doesn't best suit that role. Again, he played well. But when you're talking about in terms of measurement and speed and all that stuff, I think McCullough has that. Uh, he's a great run fitter. He can defend the flats. He can cover pretty well. But he's a bit of a project. I mean, he's not going to come down and knock the crap out of you. You know, he doesn't really have the high motor that's like he's going to go 110% every single play. But you figure with somebody like Brent Venables, that's going to, you know, he can fix that right away. Uh, he and his brother, uh, Day, I think is how you say his name, Daya McCullough. He's a 6'2", 220-pound safety 
slash linebacker out of Bloomington, Indiana. He's committed to Cincinnati. Oklahoma made the offer a few weeks back. So these two brothers, they'll be in town this weekend, actually. Um, and I would assume they get the deal done because I think all signs are pointing towards the same McCullough transferring to Oklahoma. So that's a big get right off the right off the bat. And he's a guy I think can come in and start right away. Uh, so, I mean, you talk about the core of him, Stutzman, and Canick possibly making, making some noise. It's not a bad combination. But anyway, what I was going to get into next and hopefully last, because you know me, I think of things off the top of my head. Um, facilities. And um, Oklahoma, first of all, for those who don't know, Oklahoma announced last week that uh, they will be or they will begin the process of building a new $175 million facility. Um, from what I've been told, it is going to kind of resemble a little bit of Clemson. And if you haven't seen Clemson's facilities, I'll tell you this right now. It's the best in college football. Like, listen, take a quick minute to Google it. The Allen Reeves football complex. It is the best facility in college football. Top to bottom. I mean, the outside's not going to blow you away, but the inside, it, I mean, it's, it, it, you could live in the place. Even with all the amenities that they have in that place, you could live in it. You got a cafeteria. You've got a nap room, which was also recently put into the Barry Switzer Center. Uh, you've got players' lounges, bowling alley TV, a TV, movie theater. Like, there's all this different stuff in that facility. You could literally live in that place. And honestly, I wouldn't mind it one bit at all. Like, it's your own palace, you know, the stadium's right down the street and all that. So, anyway, from what I heard, it is going to resemble Clemson a little bit. I don't know if that means, like, it's going to look like it. I know the same architect firm that designed Clemson's facilities is also going to be designing this one. And obviously, Thad Turnipseed is the brain behind this one. Shout out to my man, Thad. And shout out to my guy, Lee. Um, They, well, Lee's not, but... Thad is kind of the brain behind this whole operation, and I was spending some time. I, I literally spent about two hours yesterday just looking up their facilities and reading kind of the beginning phases of it, and Thad Turnipseed was giving some quotes, and Thad, Turnipseed even mentioned how, and I know Joe Castiglione has done this too, he traveled all around the country and looked at different facilities. I know Joe, Joe C. did that a while back. Actually, I think he did it. Funny enough, I think Joe C. did that at Clemson last year because I don't know how many of you remember the picture that uh, Joe C posted of him and Brent Venables like last August. This was way before Lincoln Riley even left. And Joe C just happened to be in Clemson, South Carolina. So I'm pretty sure he was there looking at their facilities, but I know Joe C's done that. I know he's been looking at some Big Ten stuff. And that turnip seed mentioned going around the country looking at different facilities. He also mentioned how, like at Clemson, they modeled their locker room after Oklahoma, they modeled their weight room after Georgia, and they modeled their training center and all that stuff off of Tennessee. So there's two, po there's all three of those are positives. Big positives in that is the weight room thing, because I don't know how many of you have seen Georgia's weight room, but it is, it's, it's, it's incredible. Uh, Clemson's weight room is probably about the size of a football field. And uh, what we do know right now is that one, this thing is going to be getting started right away. They don't want to waste time. They want it to be done. Uh, as they're heading into the Southeastern Conference, because you're going to have to be, because the truth is this, when Oklahoma makes that move to the SEC, they're 10, 15 years behind on facilities. I think the Barry Switzer Center is awesome. It's great, and I love going in there. But when you go to some of these other facilities, it has nothing on it. Like, 
I don't know what the Barry Switzer Center is going to turn into. I know it's still going to exist. Um, I'm pretty sure, obviously, they're going to still use it for, like, the club section and all that. But as far as, like, you know, like, the, okay, the locker room in the Switzer Center is going to be the game day locker room. Like, they are building a new locker room in this new facility. And obviously, they're going to spend way more time in the practice facility than they will the game the game day uh, locker room. So, this locker room would be a little bit better than the one that they have now. Um, and the one they have now is good, too. Like, I'm, I'm not hating on it at all. It's really nice. It's a lot better than what they had before that. So, uh, you know, a lot coming there, but, and it's crazy to think because all this stuff just got built like five, set, five, six years ago. And like, I remember going into it when it opened and it was, it, like I said, it's cool. It's awesome. But I think the thing about this facility is that it's supposed to be football only because a little known fact about the Barry Switzer center is, you know, the weight room, like the weight room is all sports. It's not even just football. There's a lot of, there's a bunch of other sports in there working out. And I don't think Brent's like, hey, you guys need to get out. He's just like, look, we need our own thing. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, I had a player tell me, like, the reason that they really want to do this is because they want it to help kind of the coaches and the players be more together. They get to be around each other a lot more. And what we know the facility will include is going to have a recovery room. It'll have a dining hall, sports science stuff, uh, coaches' offices weight room and two or three practice fields. So shout out to my man, Damian Mackey of the Barry and Mac show who mentioned the other day that, uh, the practice field is believed to going to be, or one of the practice fields should be located where the old buck, Bud Wilkinson house used to be. Uh, if you don't know what the Bud Wilkinson house used to be or what it is, it used to be football only dorms that were literally right across the street from the stadium and the facility will be right across the street from the stadium, but the practice field is believed to be where the bud used to be. So it's literally right there on the corner. So, Hey, if you want to sneak in and watch practice, do what you got to do. Uh, but anyway, actually don't, cause they will, they will probably, I know under Lincoln Riley, they would have tried to put you in the chair, but, um, anywho. Yeah. Uh, I'm excited to see the plans for it. Like, I don't know when that all is going to come out when, uh, the plans and what it's going to look like is going to come out. I, I think, the plans are already in place, like what it's going to look like and stuff, because I was told that the recruits have seen it. So they kind of have an idea of what it's supposed to look like. Um, I do believe it should be completed by 2024. That's the timeline that's been thrown out there. So we'll see what happens there. But it's exciting because it's a really big recruiting piece. I mean, like, again, I said, if I, if I was going on a visit to Clemson and I saw that facility, that would be the final marker for me. I'd be in there every day. Um, you know, Georgia's facility is really nice. Alabama's facilities, incredible. Notice the theme. These are all, well, Clemson's not an SEC team. Clemson's practically an SEC team, but the actual SEC teams, I mean, even South Carolina, you know, they're getting, they're, they've improved, but South Carolina's facilities, even when they sucked, were incredible. So a lot of these schools are, are catching up in that market. And obviously, Oklahoma's going to have to play catch up in the stadium expansion thing, too. And that's going to happen soon. I know they, they've been talking about getting the press box together. That's something fans have been complaining about for years. I know I have been because the press box is an eyesore. So, and obviously some of the press have been too. And um, they are going to get started on that at some point. I think that is that is supposed to be on one of the Board of Regents uh, agendas. I don't know when, but I know it's on there. So there will definitely be expansion in the stadium. Like there's no question about that. There has to be because as you go to the SEC, it's quite small. Um, so you're going to have to get better at that. But I think the only questions I really have is like, you know, what's the Barry Switzer going to turn into? 
and I mean, from what I know, it's supposed to be a like a, a like a student athlete academic type thing. But again, there's so much stuff in there. Like, what do you do with it? Like, think about this: Brent Venables' office in the Switzer Center is it's insane. If you go look, go Google, go Google it. If this was a video podcast, I would show you guys this. Brent Venables' office is it's a palace. Like, it's bigger than it's bigger than some houses. And I know Brent like. <laughs> Knowing Brent, Brent's football. Brent don't care. And like Bob Stoops was the same way. I remember Coach Stoops didn't even really like it. Like he didn't even move into his office. And that was really because he knew he was retiring. But like he didn't even bother moving his stuff into that office. And Brent's office isn't as this is no shot at Lincoln Riley at all. Because I've I've been in the office before when Riley was the head coach. This is not a shot at him. But Lincoln's office was more decorated than than Brent's is. So that's only saying that, like, Brent, I doubt Brent really cares about having all this pomp and circumstance in the office. But, like, I seriously wonder what they're going to do with it because I don't think he would have two offices. And his office is going to be moved to the the new facility. So, one, I wonder what that would look like because it'd be crazy if you could beat the one he's in now. But what do you do with that stuff? So we'll see what happens there. That'd be pretty interesting. I mean, maybe it'll be like a recruiting lounge or something like that. It'd be, I don't know. Um, you know, what do you do with the practice fields that are already there? They're right behind the stadium. Um, I mean, hey, it ain't a bad idea. You're probably going to have to turn it into parking because, like, from what I know about the facility, it's taking up a lot of space. So I got to Google again, like, what the square footage and stuff is supposed to, is planned to be. But it's taking up a lot of space, so it's safe to assume that like the the track and the well, I know the track's going to be gone, but like the the Heisman parking lot and all that stuff that's right across the street from the stadium, like I think all that's gone. So hey, it's not a bad idea to turn the to turn the practice fields into some parking. Like you know, maybe you have to make it parking for the donors and the big the the BMDs, the big money donors, or the 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 the, the uh, staff and faculty and all if you have to more power to you because i know like i know the practice fields is where the families park the families of coaches park on game days but it ain't a bad idea to turn that into more parking because we could always use that on campus corner so josie if you're listening thank you brother uh but yeah gonna be interesting to see that another thing like what are you gonna what what, what is the name gonna be like look i say this bud wilkinson has something named after him Barry Switzer has something named after him. Benny Owen has something named after him. It's time for Bob Stoops to have something named after him. Uh, and I know, even again, like I'm pretty sure Coach Stoops doesn't care about all that. Like he doesn't really want all that, but you got to name something after him. I mean, he is responsible for reviving Oklahoma football. So maybe it's the Robert A. Stoops uh, football complex. There's no complaints in that at all if you have to make it that. So uh, gonna be interesting to see that. I'm excited for it. Like I'm always excited to see. I'm I'm one of those people. I love just like looking looking at stadiums and facilities and things like that because it's just cool for some reason. Like I literally I'm a, I'm a victim of going on Google Earth and literally looking up college football stadiums and just like kind of moving around them and looking at the scenes and all that stuff. And so like it's fun to do that. So it's gonna be really cool to see how this how this turns out. Especially because, like I said, I think it's going to be around in 2024, which just so happens to be your boys graduating high school year. So, uh, you know, there's a chance I can get the first peek at this thing. And that's going to be really awesome to see. So, um, 
thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, not really an information loaded podcast, uh, but we'll have more of that in the coming weeks. Also in the coming weeks, I have spoken to Jackson Arnold and Jackson is going to, we plan on having him on here um, the week of the 19th because you guys got a state championship to play for. They got a game tomorrow night against, uh, I, I believe it's DeSoto they play, but Texas' schedule is a lot longer than Oklahoma. Like if you in Oklahoma, you know all the state championships ended last week, but Texas hasn't even played theirs yet. So uh, Texas is going to be playing their state championships next week, uh, which Geyer, they're a really good team. So it's safe to assume they're going to be in the state title game next week. And uh, we're going to we're gonna go ahead and get this thing in after the state championship. Um, and also, I don't know when the guys move in, which I'm pretty sure that's in like January, I think. But, um, you know, we're trying to get that together. So we plan on having him on. We'll say we'll have him on before Christmas. That's going to be our plan. Um, then after that, we'll do a Florida State preview and all that. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in. Make sure you guys leave a rating and review. Uh, cuss me out if you hated it. I mean, that's fine. All feedback is appreciated. Follow us on Instagram at Center Sports Daily. Follow me on Twitter at underscore Jalen Ross and the Blitz period at the Blitz period on Instagram and Twitter. We do have a page for the podcast just to keep you updated on episodes and things like that. And we want you guys to be involved. Stay on top. If there's anything you want me to discuss, let me know. We'll get into it all. But, man, uh, make sure you guys follow the socials. Like I mentioned, make sure you guys are tuned in with the Barry and Max show, Center360.com. All this different stuff. Be on it. Thank you guys for tuning in once again. I'll see you.